Hello and welcome to the 56th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I'm joined as usual by Josh Simer. Crum, we're back on the road again, and hopefully we're going to do a little bit better than Sonoma. Yeah, yeah, okay. I w- at first I was a little confused because I was like, what did we do in Sonoma? And then I remembered it wasn't good. Um, no, no, it was not. Yeah, that I'll be interested. I don't want to give away too much of my potential strategy, but I'll be curious to see how the draft goes later um, when we get to that point. But uh, first, do want to mention uh, iRacing. It's been very busy for me lately, uh, getting ready to move into my house and uh, just obviously summer things going on since this is like the four months of the year that you can actually go outside and have fun. Um so summer's been nice, but haven't done much iRacing. Not quite back into A-Class yet. Um, and I also did see a potential event from uh, Blake McCandless, one of the iRacing E-NASCAR Coke Series commentators. Uh, he's doing a World 600 event with the 1987 cars. Uh, similar to that uh, race I did at Daytona last year, Josh, if you remember. Ew. Yeah, so it'd be similar to that, but it's Charlotte, and it'd be 600 miles if I made it into the race, which is a bit daunting, and I'd have to make sure it lines up with my schedule in life. Uh, so I've, I've been looking at that, but not sure that I'll be able to participate uh, this summer. Um, but just a cool event I noticed. If anyone out there is doing iRacing, I want to check it out. Um, I'll retweet and tweet about it a little bit from our Twitter handle, at iRaceWeGamble, so... Always follow us over there for the latest iRacing news and events and um, things that have been going on in that world. All right. Uh, Formula One had last week off. Uh, This week, they're going to be in their kind of home country, or at least it's home country for a lot of the teams Um, and a number of drivers, too, I guess. Uh, The British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Um, We got our usual 10 a.m qualifying on saturday 10 a.m race on sunday um i saw a little piece of news at one point i think it was last week that uh christian horner expects ferrari to be a lot stronger this week Um, i'm not sure if that's because they kind of already took their engine penalties and now they can sort of qualify and race at full strength um but ferrari might be a something to keep an eye on um and then i'm i'm curious how mercedes is going to do with the week off in between um, and both of their drivers bring, being British with Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. So they've got a little, you know, extra chip on their shoulder to do well. Um, so I'm hoping that all three of those things create a really competitive race between all three teams. So I think that'd be cool to see. Um, Josh, are you expecting much out of the out of the race, you think? How's the porpoise thing going? Um, so I will say this. This track is very freshly paved and like very smooth surface. So I don't think they're going to have as much porpoising because it's been more of an issue on the street circuits. Uh, then I would say Mercedes has a puncher's chance at the podium. But I'm not going to give them any more than that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. Um, the, I could see if there's a Red Bull and Ferrari incident in you know between the two racing each other, that might be Mercedes opening to get a win. But, um, yeah, they probably need trouble in front of them. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I talked about uh, on the last podcast uh, potentially doing a Verstappen, Perez, Leclerc, and Sainz lineup and then mixing in Magnuson and Alfa Romeo. Um, but then I was looking at, because of Ferrari's supposed pace, because of George Russell being pretty strong this year, despite the Mercedes, and because Botas has been really good, I think I'm going to go with a different strategy. I'm going to wait for practice results um, to make these changes, because I don't want to lock my subs in if, if this is what I'm going to do. But uh going to move down from Verstappen to Russell, which definitely I'm taking, I'm not expecting Russell to get as many points as Verstappen, but if he gets the same value, I think I can live with that because then I'm also upgrading from Aston Martin to Ferrari, who if they are in a space where they can take full advantage of the race and not be concerned about reliability, um, I expect them to both finish on the podium and probably win. Um, So that keeps Sainz and Leclerc in my lineup. And then I swap out Norris for Botas because um, despite it being Norris's home race, I think Botas is just a much better value, and I can't really afford Norris in the lineup I've created. So I end up getting right up at my cap of, I think it's 101.7 million. Um, I was a little under it prior to these potential changes, but that'll all depend on if Alfa Romeo looks good, if Ferrari looks good, if Mercedes looks good. Those are the three teams I have an eye on going into practice this week. That all makes sense to me. Um, I have not made any changes or really looked at anything yet, but I am going to do whatever it takes to get Ferrari back in as my constructor. All right. Well, any changes we do, we'll uh, we'll tweet them out. So, like I said, just follow us at iRaceWeGamble so you can see not only the iRacing news, but also the F1 decisions and uh, fantasy lineup choices. Um, at this point, I think it's time to move on to Nashville. Um, the NASCAR race this past weekend, which was, I, I mean, it was at least an entertaining race. It took way too long because of a bunch of delays. Um, but I mean, it, the racing was good, right? Uh, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it was an intermediate track and that's what we're looking for with this next gen car. It seems like. Yeah, a lot more passing, a lot more opportunity to run different lines, uh, and yeah, it was it was entertaining. A lot of different things happening. I think the the biggest thing that, as far as a gambling standpoint goes, that really it messed up teams, it messed up betting profiles, it messed up a lot of things. Was just the fact that we are all prepared for a 90-something degree race, sweltering hot, have everything set up and looking at that. And then by the time we got the bulk of the race in, it had dropped 20 degrees and was nighttime and legitimately everything changed. So from that standpoint, it was a bit of a clusterfuck, but the, at least the racing was good. Yeah, yeah, definitely a hard one to predict. Um, I actually didn't do a betting profile for this race, specifically because I felt like there were so many unknowns, um, and I just didn't didn't feel like it made sense. Um, And it was interesting, because I I saw at least a couple different people on Twitter with some suggestions about, like, when to bet on drivers. Um, One example was, don't bet on Denny Hamlin until after his first pit stop issue. 
so because his odds are going to drop at that point. So if you really believe in Denny Hamlin, just don't take him at whatever odds he's at to start. Wait for him to have a pit stop issue, and then if you think he can still win, then put your money on. Thought that was an interesting piece of advice. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Denny Hamlin's crew lost him a little bit of time. Uh, I think it was in the third stage. But uh, really, the pit strategy at the end of the race was the other thing that really threw things into a weird place because the Toyotas were great. Um, I mean, Bubba Wallace had another bunch of issues with his pit crew, which has been frustrating to see. But um, all the Joe Gibbs cars, except Christopher Bell didn't really look that strong, which I was surprised by. I can't remember if he had some issues or not. Um, But all the JGR cars were top three for most of the race. Until they decided to all pit with like four laps to go, even though there were like 30 cars in the lead lap and 10 of them stayed out. So poor choices made by the Gibbs strategy at the end. Um, But throughout the race, I mean, Martin Truex Jr. was probably the biggest surprise. And he actually did have some news this week that he was going to return to the 19 next year. So retirement's over and he looks like he's actually racing and having a little bit more fun. So maybe it's time to start looking at Truex every week. Um, not sure about that, but do you feel like Truex has looked a little bit better than we've seen him most of the year? Absolutely. And I hope this is the start of the turnaround get some of the doubt out of there. Spend some time, learn the new car, get acclimated, get back to what you're good at in racing and uh, help me cash my future. Absolutely. Um, and I, I feel like we've expected Larson to be the lock that he was last year. And he kind of looked like he was maybe one of the faster guys throughout the first part of the season, but he wasn't getting the wins. But in this race, he really wasn't as competitive as, uh, his counterpart with the nine of Chase Elliott or any of the Gibbs cars. Like he really wasn't in that top five picture hardly at all. So I'm curious now on these intermediate tracks, do we need to start looking at the nine as the better choice than the five? Um, I'm not sure how you feel about that. I don't know if that race sways your opinion at all. I'm not ready to say that yet. But some of that might be the fact that I'm skewed by the fact that Chase Elliott's a little schoolboy bitch. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, the next intermediate track is either going to, I mean, you could sort of consider Pocono, I guess, although that's pretty big. It's more of a super speedway. Um, and the same for Michigan, all the rest are flat, shorter tracks. Um, the rest of the regular season, cause you have Daytona, Atlanta, New Hampshire, Richmond road courses. So it's. It's an interesting path forward. The results of this race may not be indicative of anything until the playoffs. So keep in mind, if if we get to the playoffs and it looks like the nine and the Joe Gibbs cars are struggling, remember that there's a few more intermediate tracks at that point. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I do think it's notable that FanDuel has kind of adopted that going into this race. and. I know we're on a road course now, so it makes sense for Chase Elliott to be the most expensive. The fact that Larson's still the second most expensive kind of tells me maybe they aren't quite hip to that yet. 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, shocking that to me that we're this far into the season and Larson is consistently still the highest price driver. He should be starting to drop into that fourth or fifth most expensive range. Yeah, I think he should be in the Kyle Busch price range, essentially. I think he and Kyle Busch have a lot of similarities in that you see them run up front a lot, but they don't necessarily get the finish that you always need. Yep. Um, and they're pretty close to each other in points, too, both with one win. Um, the playoff bubble is really, really getting tight, especially if we get another winner, which who knows. But right now, Elmerol is seven points ahead of Harvick for the last spot. Um, Reddick's on the outside looking in. Austin Dillon's on the outside looking in still. Same with uh, Eric Jones. And I feel like that's where the the guys who could still maybe get their way in on points, because after that, it's a big drop-off down to Michael McDowell, who is probably going to need a win at some point to get into the playoffs. Um, I'm actually worried about the 20. He's only 28 points above the cutoff, and because Joe Gibbs didn't look as good at road courses as we may have expected, uh, at least at Sonoma, a little more worried about him getting a win. I was I was thinking he would have more chances at a win because of his road course ability, but they might not be fast enough on the road courses this year. All right. Well, as much as the nine and the five seem to be the two most expensive guys, Josh, the 48 and the 24 were the worst expensive drivers this past week. Um, but that's because they both had weird issues at the same time. I think Bowman got spun out, although he wasn't running that well. And then I, I don't remember what happened to uh, Byron, but they both terrible days all at the same time. I want to say something broken. Byron's car, but it was something like that. I saw something interesting on Twitter that I actually did look up to make sure it was accurate information because, like Abraham Lincoln said, you can't read every, can't believe everything you read on the internet because there's a picture next to it. <laughs> um, Byron only has four top 10 finishes this year. Wow! Really? Not not including his two wins. Oh, I see. So, okay, so he has so two techni- wins. Technically, he has six top ten finishes. Right. Second, but he has those two two wins, four top tens, and the rest of them outside of the top ten. Yeah, that's crazy. It's so different than last year because last year it was like very consistent, but having a hard time trying to win. Now he's got it's very similar, like Denny Hamlin again, but has two wins but barely ever gets top tens. I think he only I think yeah. he only has four, so he would have two outside of his wins maybe. Yeah. And one of Byron's wins was on was at the worst race that we've seen in a long time. At yeah. But that race is in the playoffs. So maybe that's a good sign for him. Although uh, I don't random thing, I, I didn't even put it in the show notes, Josh, but did you hear any of the conversation about Kyle Busch uh, talking about the tests that he did at Martinsville? Yeah, with testing out the package that they used for the Bristol Dirt Race. Yeah. I don't hate it. If I was NASCAR, I'd be changing something. Yeah. You, you probably before should. Before they go back to Martinsville. Change it at Richmond just to try it out before the playoffs. 
And if it goes well, then you can adopt it for the playoff races that are because that would that would include the championship race at Phoenix, I think, or it could. Maybe they wouldn't want to change that one, but yeah, I think it'd be good if they did. All right, well, your ideal lineup in Nashville. Um, I was a little surprised the highest scoring driver was Kurt Busch, but he did finish second and he did gain 17 spots. Um, but it was just odd because he sort of was kind of behind the Joe Gibbs drivers most of the night. Um, so only had three laps led, but then he manages to finish second and not have terrible pit strategy. Um, Chase Elliott had the second most points winning the race, leading 42 laps. Then he got Hamlin because he led so many laps and was able to salvage a good finish. Um, I wish I think finished 21st and he was up there in the mix at the end. So that, that he did, he had the opposite results as Denny Hamlin basically. Um, but still wasn't a terrible pick because of his starting spot. So other two ideal lineup drivers, and I find this hilarious, but Bubba Wallace was in the ideal lineup. Jesus. I, I mean, I get that he's pissed and he did finish he only finished 12th and probably didn't get any stage points, but it's pretty impressive that you could still manage to get an ideal lineup uh, result after the night that he had. So not that he cares. Yeah. He's, he's got to be, his frustration is completely founded. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, it is week in week out. It's like being the quarterback that gets sacked like five times a game. Yeah. Maybe not as painful, but still not, not fun. Um, my lock was the 18, which looked great up until four laps to go. Your lock of the five was decent. He was, he was consistently in the top 10. He just never challenged for the lead. It felt like, um, so Decent results from them. We both won a tournament um, with a lineup, so that was nice. I actually had Bubba Wallace in a lineup, and he was the best driver in it, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> our buy lows, I had Suarez. He had a weird night. A lot of people had a weird night. You had the 47, which I think he was just okay. He, he was a decent play, but um, just didn't get you the high value. He decided this was going to be one of his races that he didn't get the top 10. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, after all that, um, I am sad to say that you beat me again in both qualifying drafts. Or, uh, sorry, both drafts, both before and after qualifying. Uh, What are the records at now? Well, you're eight and seven in before qualifying, and uh, you're we're nine and nine after qualifying. But if we were to take the tiebreaker of who has more points, you'd win there. So, Ooh, nine and nine. I think you had like a five race lead on me early in the season that you were touting, weren't you? If I look at the statistics, uh, you've won five straight, so that makes sense. Yeah. Look at that! It's a marathon, baby. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk about something else. <laughs> anything else. How about Road America, Josh? We got 62 laps. It's probably the shortest number of laps we have, but I think it's like a four-mile track. I don't actually know that off the top of my head, so I'm going to look now. But are you? I, how much do you remember from last year? Because I'll be honest, I don't remember a ton. Also do not remember a ton. Okay. 
Well, it's in Wisconsin, so there's probably some good cheese. It's Fourth of July weekend. Um, from all accounts, it's a, it's a fun track on the schedule. Although I have heard this is the last year in the current deal they have with NASCAR. It's just a two year deal. So I've heard rumors that this race might get replaced with that Chicago street circuit idea. So I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I think most fans wouldn't be cause they think it's cool. Like this track, but I don't mind going to Chicago and seeing something exciting and new. Um, and yes, I was correct. Four mile track. Nice. So uh, is it, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but if you're looking at stage lengths and pit stops, I think the way that Larson's race at Sonoma went, where he tried to win stage one and then kind of fell to the back and then had issues, I don't expect him to try that again. I think anyone who's going after a race win is probably going to go with the no stage point strategy where they pit right before the end of the stage both times. Um, and then they just have one pit stop to make in the final stage. So that's what I expect. They have plenty of tire sets to do more pit stops than that. But those are the you might see four or five pit stops if um, there's lots of cautions or tires become important. But I just don't see that being the case. So um, I think qualifying is going to be important. Um, I think it's going to be about track position. And uh, you're going to want to look at the guys going for the win uh, rather than the stage points. So. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who those drivers would be right now. I actually like Josh. I don't know if there's like a driver that jumps out to you based on their points position that you would think, oh, they're going to go for stage points instead of a win. That's tough. I I agree with what you were just saying earlier. Like the win is more important right now. It feels like. Right. Especially with how many winners we have. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think you're going to see a lot more racing for win than racing for stage. I don't, I don't have a good answer to that is what I'm trying to say. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the playoff picture now just to kind of try to think about it. And the only thing I could imagine is right now, if in I know that most drivers, um, even based on our conversation with Nate Ryan, have said, like, we don't think there's really going to be more than 16 winners. But if there are the guys with one win that are like in jeopardy for uh, not making the playoffs are Blaney versus Truex, which is a 40 point gap that Truex needs to make up. So if Truex isn't running well, like he didn't run well at Sonoma. Maybe he's going to say, hey, look, we're not going to win this race, guys. Let's just get stage points um, so that he has a bigger cushion or has a closer ability to get in front of Blaney if other guys win. Um, and then I'm also looking at like Suarez, uh, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sendrick, and Kurt Busch. They're only separated by nine points, and they're, they all have one win. So in the... Very unlikely event that there are three new winners. Imagine the 12 and the 19. Um, or no, five, sorry. So it's a lot. The 12, the 19, the 20, the 10, and then the eight, let's say. Um, or the four and the eight. Um, any, any one of those combinations. And a lot of those guys move up ahead of that group I just mentioned. So the, the, the people at the bottom of that group right now, it's Suarez, aren't locked in until there's only 16 winners. 
So they might go for points over wins if they feel like they're not fast enough to get a win. Um, Suarez, I think, is going to have a fast enough car to go for the win. But practice so the, only thing, the only thing about that group, 45-2-14-99, is they're all, all four of those drivers can win on a road course. Yeah, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. You know, you're not looking at like a Kevin Harvick where he's not going to be a favorite or a very popular pick for a road course win. Where uh, he's being right, right underneath the bubble right now. So maybe, maybe he would be somebody who would look for a stage. You know, if he's running eighth and six of the top seven go in at lap 13 for a pit stop, maybe he tries to chase down. That one per that one driver left out on the course and tries to get some stage points. Yeah, um, it's a little shocking to me, honestly, that he's behind Almirola, and I feel like that all comes down to the race a few weeks ago where he just lost his brakes and ended up with a P thirty something finish. Yeah, so. It looks like I didn't update this, and I'm actually wrong. It's Kevin Harvick in the last spot, nine points ahead of, ahead of Almirola. So because right, that he, makes a little more sense. Yeah, he did really well in Nashville, um, and that's what put him back. He finished 10th, but he got stage points, um, and he finished 4th in Sonoma. So those two recent races have given him the jump over Almirola, but it, w- it was the result of this race that gave him that jump. So he's only nine points ahead. Um, other numbers and, are kind of right, but we won't we won't worry about that right now. <laughs> if I remember right, at Sonoma, all of Storhaus looked pretty good, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I think Cole Custer was probably the one guy left out, but that's kind of standard at this point. Yep. All right, should we start the draft? Is it you first? It is me first. And I suppose I'm just going to have to do the right thing, even though I don't love it. Uh, Yeah, give me the nine. Damn. Kind of knew that was coming, though. I was going to say, you thought I'd let you take him? No. I didn't. You just think he's going to continue to be the guy? I mean, he won last race, and he's he could have won at Sonoma if he didn't lose a tire. Yeah, and he's, a road, he's the road guy. Yeah. Hard to argue with. Um, I think I have to go with the next best picks, and at this point, I think that's going to be... Mm, I'm going to go Larson and Suarez. Interesting. I think Suarez's price point is really nice considering how good he looked at Coda until he got involved in an accident because he tried to win his first stage. I don't think they're going to make that same mistake, and he showed how fast he is. I don't necessarily expect him to win again. Um, I think Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott will, which is why I picked Kyle Larson. Um, But... I think Suarez is totally capable of a top five and at 11.5 thousand. That's totally fine. Um, that's, those are my picks. 
I was not expecting either one of them to be your pick after you said, I think I'm going to have to go with the next best option. Well, what do you think the next best option so is? I will take the next best option, and I will take the one of Chastain. Okay. Love that you let him come back to me. And I'm actually going to lock him this week. My lock was a nine, uh, but that's fine. So, yeah, and then I am going to take the two of Austin Sindrick. I like that a lot. He's definitely he was definitely on my radar. He's good at the road courses. He's been in the ideal lineup more often than I thought he would, and that's excluding Daytona that he won. So I'll I'll take him. I. You know, obviously, I love Almondinger on road courses as well, but I'm just going to take the $500 savings and go to Syndra. Take the guy who's in this series full time. Yeah, I yeah, he's shown a lot of uh, skill with the road courses too. Um, so I totally get those picks. Uh, I am going to now go with no one who's that much of a surprise. Uh, Tyler Reddick, I know he has had his issues. Um, he hasn't gotten his finishes that we expect, but I think this is the weekend where he kind of gets it turned around. Um, he's shown speed on the road courses, just needs to get that finish. Um, I actually kind of want to check, uh, Sonoma. How did he do? He finished seventh at Sonoma and at Coda. So he finished 35th at Sonoma, uh, but it was <laughs> it was a mechanical issue. And I was looking at where I where he started, not where he finished. Um, so he qualified fifth at Sonoma and he finished fifth at Coda. And so top five city. And I'm going to take him uh, at 8500 and he's going to be my buy low this week. So I like it. I have one more pick I have to make. and I'm very unsure of who it should be. So I'm scrolling through this list and I think I'm going to take, I'm going to take the 31 of Justin Haley. Low budget saber. Yeah. It gives me, gives me a little bit of options on my last pick. Um, He's, he's been pretty consistent at not getting into incidents um, and showing some decent speed. He has Almondinger for a teammate. I think that'll help him a little bit this weekend to find the right balance with the car and everything. Um, so give me the Haley for 4500 Super cheap. Right. I am going to take my buy low now. He is just grossly underpriced. Right now, I don't understand it. Give me Kevin Harvick for thirty for sixty eight hundred. That's a great pick. All he does is top tens. He never mm-hmm. competes for wins, but he's top ten, top ten, top ten. Always in the mix. Always in that second pack off the leaders. If there's three cars at the lead, he's in the next group of three. 
He was good at Sonoma. He was good last week. He's just, I don't know, he's just consistent. I, if we don't get 16 winners, he's going to be in the playoffs again just because of points and consistency throughout the season, which is really ho-hum boring. But for 6,800, I'm going to take ho-hum boring. Yeah, it's a great price. I don't have a lot of budget left. I only have 5,700 left right now. I will say that I am going to have my eye on Bubba as far as qualifying goes, but for right now, I'm going to round this lineup out with the 42 a Ty Dillon. Yeah. Gives you room to work with if you need it. Yeah, I, you know, he got involved in in some some nonsense at Nashville in his interview that I was able to catch a little bit of talking about how he's been having a really, really good, having a really, really great car every single week. And I think he was talking about, I want to say he got mixed up with Briscoe and it was just, his comments were like, you got to understand the point of the race that we're in and not being a knucklehead at that point when we both probably do have good cars, but we're running further in the pack, but it's stage one, like just pump the brakes just a little bit here. Don't run quite as aggressively. Um, I don't know. It was hard to tell really who was at fault. I actually kind of lead toward Briscoe was at fault with yeah. that contact. Um, so yeah, I'll take the shot on Ty Dillon. If he can avoid the nonsense, and uh, just run his race, give me a top 15 for 3500 That allows me to have Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, and Cindric in my lineup. I, I like it. Uh, yeah, he was the same price at Sonoma and at Coda, and he finished 20th and 23rd. So he really just did what you needed him to do. So if he does that again and the rest of your lineup does what you expect, you're in a, you're in a good spot. More top 10s and a 20th? I'll take it. Yeah. Hopefully a winner. Hopefully some lap sled. Just throw those in there. Yep. All right. Well, I am probably going to go. I I really want, wish I could go Kyle Busch, but I, I have no faith in Toyotas until they show me something different on a road course. They were completely out to lunch uh, at Sonoma, and they were better at Coda. So maybe I should put some somebody in there that has, you know, a Toyota badge. That's why I kind of like your Bubba Wallace pick is like, he's the cheapest Toyota. So if they find something, he might be a good pick. Um, but ultimately I think I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger for 11,000. Um, teammate with Justin Haley in a Chevy feel like he could, I mean, he almost won at Coda, right? So for, 11,000. Yeah, he could win. Yeah. He could hopefully get a top five. Absolutely. All right. So my lineup is the nine, the one, the two, the four, and the 42. And you have the five, the 99, the eight, the 31, and the 16. Which leads us into the guys that we missed. And I'm going to throw two numbers out here to you. And you can let me know how you feel about them 
because it is going to give us a little bit of room to take some higher price drivers if you like either or both of these. I actually really like having exposure to the 41 and the 17. I don't like the 41. I love the 17. So we're putting the 17 in, guys, we missed for sure. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I mean, we saw how good he was at Sonoma. Um, No reason to think why. I actually, in my pre-qualifying guessing, uh, put him as the guy who wins the poll because he qualified third at Sonoma and finished second. So... I, I probably would be a little bit more hesitant with him qualifying first because that means he has to finish really well, but um, I still think he's capable of a top five. Who else do you like? I mean, it's hard to not have the 18 in there. I know. I, 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 we can make it work um, in case he has the speed. Um I think it's worth having him in guys we missed. I don't I don't want to pick him until I, you know, maybe if he's fast in practice or qualifying, then I'd, you know, jump right on board, but um, not at this time. So, yeah, I, I, like, him him. I like him for guys who missed. Right. Okay, who else? Do we want to look at Logano or Blaney? Probably Logano, I guess, is who I would, but we're already spending money on Bush, so I don't know if we can go that expensive. I'd lean toward Logano. Yeah. Let's just throw him in and see what we got. That still leaves us 9400 per driver. Uh, no, Eric just Jones. kidding, because I don't have Kyle Bush or Chris Busher in there yet. Uh, that leaves us 9,200 per driver remaining. So I think, yeah, we got to have Logano in there. Yeah. Um, Eric Jones. Yep. Or McDowell or both. I do like McDowell. He was on my radar. He's kind of been a top 10 machine lately. Yeah. And he was really good at Sonoma too. He finished third. He's capable of a top 10, and he only costs 6500 So, yeah, let's just do... It'll be a super cheap lineup. You can make adjustments to it, obviously, because it's guys we missed. Um, but if you like some of those names, throw that one together and then wait for qualifying and practice and see if you want to swap anybody out because you've got plenty of budget to do so. Yeah, so we're going to round that out with the 34 and the 43. And for our dyslexic friends, that's the 34 and the 43. <laughs> Uh, perfectly said. Um, and our locks were, you had the one, I had the nine. I took the eight for buy low. You took the third, or no, sorry. You took. You took the eight and I took the four. Okay. I just, I wrote it as th- 31 because that equals four if you add the did. No, I don't know. Um, 31 was your pick. You know, I just write down things wherever I need to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It works. <laughs> Kevin Harvick at 6,800. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. No. It's it's a great pick. Um, I'm going to give you... I have one tournament lineup I want to share uh, that I made using sort of 
my usual formula, but kind of like mixing it in a way that made it a little bit more interesting. I'm not totally, it's something I want to play with more um, and kind of automate and see how it works for me. But I ended up with a lineup that had the nine, the eight, the 17, the 34. And then I had another low price driver. I want to say it might've even been the 43 or the 23. Um, but then I realized I had enough money that I could also put the five in this lineup. So I end up with nine of the five, who I think you're kind of hopefully locking in your winner. And then you've got Reddick, Busher, and McDowell as your cheaper low-end drivers to fill that out. I think that could be really good. Do you have any lineups that you've set yet, Josh? I've not set any lineups yet. Um, I'm probably going to set quite a few this weekend just to get exposure. Um, I'm probably going to be doing somewhere in the range of 10 lineups because there are quite a few guys that I do like to have exposure to, especially on the road courses. Uh, It feels like a lot of the drivers nowadays are sort of shifting to really, really showing up well on these road courses. So we'll, we'll kind of see. I will set some type of official lineups that I'm absolutely going to play, but I'm going to I'm gonna be a little bit heavy into the DFS this weekend and think I am going to take a weekend off of the betting profiles because Nashville absolutely hammered me this past weekend. Hate to see it. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, that's why they call it gambling, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was looking. Okay, yeah, I just want to real quick. Uh, looking at odds, if anyone is interested, um, McDowell's at plus four thousand. Busher's at plus thirty five hundred. Um, some other good names. Plus, wow. Plus twelve thousand five hundred for Eric Jones. That is a lot. Uh, and then Chase Elliott's your. There's favorite. a chance I throw a half unit on that. <laughs> just, to, just to see. God damn it! <laughs> Sorry, I should I should have waited till after. I'm the taking the week off. Ooh, that's a juicy line. Yeah. Um. But Chase Elliott five twenty five, Larson six fifty. Ross Chastain, 850. And then you've got two Toyotas in Kyle Busch and Truex, who I think their their numbers could move drastically based on qualifying, I think. But we'll see. But yeah, some some lower end guys that I would I would take a look at, um, maybe hedge against it with the Hendrick guys, who knows? Enough about the betting. What's the weather look like? 82 clouds and sun. Wonderful. We will be done by 7 p.m. at the very latest. Probably a little bit earlier than that, um, but I'm expecting over one and a half wheel issues. Some sports book out there, please, are making that a line that I can bet on. Please just add that race prop. Someone, anyone, I'm begging you. <laughs> I will take the over every single week. And, like, if you put the, if some sports book came out at, with a line of one and a half for tire issues, tire slash wheel issues, 
I would be putting 10 units weekly on the over. That's, yeah. I, w- I will say, I was surprised there weren't as many tire issues this past week. There were plenty of wheel issues, but nobody got a bunch of, like, there weren't a bunch of flat tires, which I was, you know, I was at least happy about that. Yeah, that definitely, definitely was a nice change, but man, there's going to be wheel issues every single week. Yep. No getting around it. Right. Doesn't, doesn't seem like it. No. Well, stay tuned to the Twitter handle where we'll be sharing more of our lineup advice and our F1 fantasy lineups as we see practice results and everything. So uh, keep it locked over there on Twitter this weekend, and we'll catch you next week.